Praise God. You guys can have a seat. So I don't know if you're like me and you're hot right now. Okay, well, they pushed the button, so hopefully it'll cool off, all right, as we go here today. We're going to figure this out. Maybe when the school year gets back in session, we'll be better off. But, man, I'm hot. I told Chris I'm just sweating standing here today. Anyway, hey, praise God, right? In these thirsty days, I don't know. <laughs> all right. Um, well, good morning. We're glad you're here. Hopefully you uh, found all the things you need to kind of settle in and be comfortable. Feel free at any point to get up and move around or, uh, you know, talk back. That's okay in services around here. Uh, you know, just whatever you do to, to be able to kind of just hear what God is saying to you today. Sometimes we don't get still enough to listen, but, uh, but whatever you need to do today, we hope that you can experience God. We're not here to kind of entertain or, or uh, uh, that we want to really know God more fully ourselves, and that's our prayer for each of you. We believe uh, he is sovereign over everything, and um, so we're glad you're here today and all that. So today's a different kind of a Sunday. Um, I was looking back through my notes, and I think we do about one of these a year. It wasn't really the plan, but it just kind of happens that way, um, where we start... Th- and it's about this time of year we're talking about what God's been doing. Uh, we're going to ramp up for the fall here, and some of the, the cycles of Family Bible Church kind of start over again with uh, family groups kicking up, and people go back to school, and people go on, you know, to college, and all these changes happen, and our blast jumps back in session, and kids move up in the programs, and Krabby takes off, and all these kind of things. Krabby's been going actually all summer, praise God. But, uh, you know, all, everything kind of comes back to life in the fall. But this is a time that we remember what God's been doing, and that, that wasn't really a plan. It's just kind of the way it's worked out, all right? So, um, so we're going to try it today. It's a different kind of service. It's going to be an interactive service, right, which means uh, some of you will be talking back today. Hope you're ready for that. Hope you came prepared. All right, praise God. Um, well, it's been, it's been awesome uh, just this morning even getting together and hanging out and, and beginning to um, worship God together through things like setting up chairs. And I was thinking about Rich back here on the kit today and uh, all the opportunities we've had to, to minister already together. So praise God for that. Well, if, if you were here last week, so we're going to jump, this, this is our, we're going to jump right into the, our, our, the word today and we're going to talk about what we believe God's word says. That's what we think the Bible is, the word of God, speaking directly to every person on this planet if they would stop and listen, read, and have eyes to see and ears to hear. And last week I talked to you about sharing your story, right? Um, I, we talked about that, how to do that. I'm not going to reiterate that. Um, if you were here, praise God, and if you weren't, you don't have to hear it. <laughs> so, you know, it all works out. But I want to remind you that something that I shared with you last week is that the beginning of the book of Acts, it's called the book of Acts or the books of the apostles, um, some people might call it, or the Acts of the apostles, um, was this verse. Let's see if I can pull it up on the screens. There it is, right? And this is Jesus. Now, Jesus, we sang a song today where he said, Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead, right? So he didn't stay dead. I mean, when he died, his disciples were super sad about it. Matter of fact, they scattered, to, and they were kind of cowering in rooms, and they didn't know what was next. They were totally disillusioned, and, and they thought... Everything we, we believed in was not true, and how, what happens next for us? But then Jesus came back, and he literally walked into rooms that were closed to him. I want you to think about that this morning. Maybe that's you, but like they were locked in a room, and he just showed up anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you're like that in your life. Maybe you're like closing things off to God, but he will show up in, in spaces where he's not necessarily, you know, open with doors wide, uh, welcome with doors wide open, right? And so he shows up, and, he, and the disciples are shocked, right? And my, one of my favorite ones is Thomas, because he's like, I'll believe it when I see it, because he was out whenever Jesus came. <laughs> like, if you can relate to Thomas, anybody? Everyone sees Jesus, but you didn't get to see him. <laughs> 
And Thomas says, I'll believe when I see it. Well, Jesus shows Thomas too. I love the grace of Christ. Well, here's Jesus as he begins to tell his disciples he's going back to heaven to be with the Father and he's gonna send the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Send the Spirit to minister among us as a counselor, as a teacher, as an instructor, as an empowerer, as, as God with us in a new incarnation, a new way. And this is what he says, and I want to remind you of this, because this is kind of the anchor of these last few weeks. We talked about super safety Christianity, sharing your story in Christ, and now today, rubber meeting the road, how we get that done. So check it out. Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. I love that line right there. You will be my witnesses. And he talks about these three things in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? I want to break down one thing real quick. Okay, Judea is where they are. That's their people group. But Samaritans, they were the people they didn't really like. They were down the road. Do you know what I mean? They were the other, like maybe a triad. I don't know. Or maybe it was the Cubs. <laughs> Sorry, Dale. I mean, it was the people that you didn't want to go visit with. You know what I mean? You were going to end up with a fist fight if you went to Samaria. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you not only, you know, to, you're going to be my witnesses, not only to your people, but to the people in the communities around you you can't always stand, and even to the very ends of the earth. I love this because this promise still stands over the people of God. You, listen, you will be his witness to the world. This is what Jesus instituted as he returned to the Father in heaven. I'm going to go sit on the throne at the right hand. I'm going to intercede for you day and night. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you, but you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That's the beginning of the book of Acts, okay? That's Acts 1.8, I believe. So right there, uh, straight away, he says it. So then today... Um, I'm going to read a passage, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to ask some folks to share today how they've been witness to God in the world, but a witness for God in the world, and how he's changing them. And I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know how it's going to go down. I want to read the passage to, to you, though, this morning, and if you can turn, if you would like to, and we're going to pray, as we always do, uh, entering into God's word, but um, I'm going to ask you to read uh, with me. Um, Let's pray first, and I'll let you turn there, okay? Uh, Father God, today as we open your word and we continue to journey with you to know you more fully, to hear from the people that you're empowering by your spirit, I pray that we would uh, have an open heart and mind to your truth. That's all we ask, Father. We know that there's this sin in us that's resistant to you, Father. I sense it uh, every day that there's this bentness away from you, Father, and so we know only you can overcome that. Only your presence can overcome that. We pray that in this time, you would have your way in our lives, that you would change us for your purpose in this world, that we might be more fully who we've been created to be. And uh, we will give you praise and glory uh, this day and all days because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna open uh, the book of the Bible and it's gonna be in the book of James. I don't have the page number again. It's toward the back. Um, if you get to John, uh, Peter, matter of fact, you've gone too far. Um, so it's kind of, it's not all the way at the end. But I wanna read this to you because I think it's a pretty profound passage. Okay, starting in verse 14. I'm in the wrong place. Let me see where I'm at. Oh, two, that's why. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, so this is what the word says. What good is it? By the way, James is a brother of Jesus, right? We said this before, but he's like a half-brother of Jesus, raised in the house with Jesus, didn't believe Jesus was who Jesus said he was when Jesus said he, who he was. This is James. After he sees Christ raised, he realizes my half-brother is God, and I worship him. <laughs> okay, this is what James writes to the churches. 
What good is it then, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can that faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to that one, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, that's not accompanied with an action, is dead. I want to read that again. Faith alone without action is dead. Well, some of you will say, you have faith I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Okay? This is a, a small part of the book of James, the letter to the churches, but here, James inextricably combines this reality of knowing Jesus and doing something with Jesus. I'll remind you that when Jesus went to his first disciples, he said, Follow me. And they followed him, right? I'll remind you that later people saw Jesus and they said, we want to be just like you, Jesus. And he said, follow me. And they didn't follow him. But it required an action on their part. And so here James says, faith without deeds is dead. You have to do something with your faith. Now I want to confess to you that I don't do that well all the time. I get so frustrated with myself, right? Um, I have a tendency to get stuck in my head and not get out in the street and do it. Live it out. We pray that all the time. God help us live out what you've asked us to do. So um, that's kind of what we've been growing and doing. And, and, um, and so today I wanted to ask a few folks if they would share how they've been doing their faith, okay? So I want to start with, I think, Miss Jessica. Where are you at, Jessica? She's in nursery today. Oh, there you are. Yeah, and I, I don't know what you have planned, but we had a group that went to Murrow, which you can come up if you want. And it was a group of students and leaders, and they went, and um, the plan was to go to, like, uh, the Indian um, orphanage there, and it kind of turned into other stuff, too. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so we went out to... No, not yet, but my son's going to... Okay. Um, so we went out to Muskogee, Oklahoma, um, and we went out there as part of, like, working with the kids at the orphanage, and um, also doing like a work, like work projects around the area for them. Um, they, were, they live in like a, a house. There's four different houses. Um, three of them are occupied by the kids. There's in different age groups. And they had a big fence line that was like on the back part of their property, which was overgrown with crazy amount of brush. Um, so we spent almost an entire day and a half on that. Um, and then throughout the rest of the time, we had other groups that were painting rooms for the kids. They had like bright red, and the girls were like, no, nah, happening. So we repainted that for them. And, um, and then we actually went out to um, Moore, Oklahoma on Monday. And um, that was where the tornado hit back in May. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, very devastating. And it's still to that point. Um, there are still houses with, um, you want to talk to? Um, there are still houses with uh, tarps like on the windows, and some people can't even live in their homes. Um, so it was just very devastating to walk around and have to see all of that. No, you can't eat it. <laughs> um, but if I, can I have the kids that went with us? Um, and Steve and Linda, if you'd like to come up to you, you're more than welcome to, to share, and Miss Megan. Um, but if you guys want to come up, and uh, we can ask you guys about what your experiences were while you were there. 
And we are missing one. Miss Lily Budwell is out today. She went to the Cards Cubs game with her dad. So if you get a chance to talk with her, I'm sure she has some fun things to share as well. You guys are funny. <laughs> okay, um, I'm just going to pass the microphone around, and if you guys have something you'd like to share, um, please feel led to do so. Huh? No. I don't think so. Bill, do we have a limit? Oh, no. No limit. Unlimited. Limited. <laughs> okay. Can I start? Okay. Well, I made a list. Okay. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm also help, um, sharing for Lily, too, because she couldn't be here, and she asked me to share a few things. Um, we, I think most of us decided that the most impactful day to all of us was the day that we were in Moore, and um, just to see all the devastation and stuff, it was just so sad. And um, a couple of things that um, me and Lily both saw, because we were in a group together, a couple of things that we saw just really stood out to us. Um, we handed out food to a group of um, Mexican workers, and um, as we were driving away, it was just, I mean, all that was left is like bits of the foundation. And as we were driving away, there was a single sunflower that was just growing up in the middle, and it was just so cool. And then um, we, okay, um, so we stopped at um, another place, and um, each place we stopped at, we prayed over them after we gave them um, lunch. And um, it was really cool because one of the places that we stopped at, um, after we prayed over him, the guy looked at all of us and goes, would you guys care if I prayed over you guys? And so that was really cool. Really cool. And then um, something that was really impactful to me was just bonding with, like, the kids because um, a lot of the girls that went in our group I didn't really know very well. And so that was fun. And then the last thing I had to say... Um, we were driving through, and there was this neighborhood, and it was, I mean, everything was gone. Like, there was no houses left. And there was um, a single, not even, like, a full building, like, a single maybe room in somebody's house. Um, it was all concrete that was still standing. And um, on the front, somebody had spray-painted the little room that could. And on the side, they spray-painted safe house. And it was just like, oh, it was just amazing. So, yeah. Seeing that really made me smile and... It made me think that God really does place miracles on even the most less fortunate people that you could ever see. And um, this trip was really impactful for me because the kids that we saw at the orphanage, they had so little, and their parents weren't there. And you take things for granted. And I was thinking how I obsess over some objects that you may not have whenever you're older or you're just you you don't look at the relationships and realize how important they are. A different slant. These kids, uh, before they left, they worked pulling weeds for Marquette uh, Dairy. They worked for Tyler's grandparents um, and worked for other people in the church to earn their way. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of them. We teamed up with another church, and the kids got along well with one another the adults and we were so grateful I was so impressed to see how God worked and uh, there was no competition it was just let's get the job done and so um, that, that was probably the highlight one highlight for me is uh, they didn't they suggested I not go pull weeds and there was a whole pile of bicycles maybe 12 or 15 none of them worked so two girls volunteered to work with me and we 
went out and bought about a dozen tires and tubes, and we, uh, we fixed about half of them. The rest of them went into the dumpsters. And the next day, the kids were riding, riding them. And the little girl that I was working with, Hannah, says, I'm going to cry. They're riding our bicycles. So I didn't get to present the gospel, but, but we helped these kids enjoy uh, a little bit of life. And Allie says she's really frightened here. Oh. <laughs> and I understand that. But you kind of bonded with one little girl, didn't you? you tell us just a little bit about that? Um, well, I met a little girl there, and um, she was following me around the whole time, and I helped her get her lunch, and we ate together. And she wanted me to send her a letter and a bracelet, because I was wearing like a lot of bracelets that day. And I haven't wrote it yet, but I, I think I will soon. But um, she and another little girl wouldn't, like, stop giving me hugs. So that was kind of nice. But um, I got to play volleyball with her, too. So, yeah. Quiet Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think... that the orphanage trip was really fun and that they were really thankful but they seemed like shy at first but once you get to know them like when we were taking a break they would always play on the playground with us and they're like they're really fun they're really nice and that's kind of like hard to be nice, like to people who actually have their family and stuff. Um, and then feeding the workers, I think it was just really sad what happened to the, all those people because they had to live in like tents and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, Jake, <laughs> not gonna happen, Ty. You talked the whole trip. Um, <laughs> So I want you to tell them when you delivered food to these guys, what did you have to do? Um, We had to pray for them. And, you know, that was really cool because it was the kids praying for the guys that were working out in these um, incredible areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the adults from the other church said that was really beyond his comfort zone. So I know what these guys were pushed to do, and it was awesome. And Ty, how did you get in the um, van that you wanted to be in every time? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You wouldn't lie in church, would you? Uh, I kind of took a little (laughs) grab of the chips. They, They switched vehicles every time we stopped. So there was a, a can, and you had to pick out a, a chip out of there. So Ty figured out if you reach a whole handful, you can pick the color you want. And uh, so we had to change the rules of the game once we caught on to him. But um, it was an awesome trip. And is it okay if I go ahead and share Oh, now? yeah, yeah, for sure. Bill asked if I would share a story I shared with him. And so um, yeah, I'll go God, ahead guys. and do that, that and then awesome. give the mic back to you. How's that? All right. Um, 
Our son Duke is a youth pastor in Indiana, many of you know that, and he called and he said, uh, Mom, would you like to go along and cook on a mission trip? That's usually all they ever ask me to do is go along and cook, but that's okay. And uh, so Steve and I talked about it and I said, you know, this would be such a neat opportunity for our young people too. So we talked to Chris and Jessica and they were on board. Chris has been there before and they were excited about it. So. Um, Thank you to all of you who gave so that this could happen so quickly. There was 34 of us total. Well, 33, I guess, with Micah, right? And, um, you know, I thought I was going along just to cook. Uh, that's how God usually works, right? And um, so when Duke called me back to see if I'd go or not, I said, well, why don't we serve more? And he goes, serve more? What do you mean? What, what's up your sleeve, Mom? And I said, well, more Oklahoma was hit by a tornado. And... I think it'd be really cool if we went out and served lunches or something out there and just expose the kids to what had happened there and also to try and minister to whoever God leads in our path. So this was really just a step of faith because we had no idea what we were walking into. When we first drove in, we're like, okay, where is the damage? Because Moore, Oklahoma is pretty big, but there is a seven and a half mile stretch, a half mile wide that is totally devastated. Um, as well as the loss of life out there. And um, so as we got to talk, and one of the fun things, I should have asked Ty about this to get him talking, but the night before we left for Moore, Oklahoma, we took all of the kids to Walmart, and everybody had carts, and they would go and get 300 hot dog buns, 300 hamburger buns. We had no idea how many we were feeding. We went with the theory of 300. I have no idea why. And uh, so we got all the food together, and we headed to Moore, set up a barbecue grill, and started cooking, and the kids started delivering food. Out of that, one of the um, guys that was driving a vehicle came across a lady, and she said, if you have any food left over, would you consider taking it out to Shawnee? And we said, well, sure. And it was really kind of God's plan, because it started raining, and... Those of you that work construction know when it starts raining, you quit. And so we had delivered all the lunches we could deliver. So we packed up all the food. One of the farmers from Indiana sent 300 ears of corn with us that the kids had shucked the night before. They'd made 18 pounds of brownies. Um, we really got them involved in doing the work. And so we headed to Shawnee, not knowing exactly where, where we were headed even or why we were headed there. And um, we pull off the highway and we go down this little dirt road. And um, the lane to our house, for those of you that have been out there, is probably better than the road we were on by a long shot. And uh, we get out there. And um, what used to be a unit of 39 homes now held seven. Uh, 32 of them had completely been destroyed. The guy out there showed us a tree, and I think, Jessica, if I'm right, it's about the top of the stage. They had left one piece of plastic, and that is how high the debris was from this community. And um, I was sharing with Bill last week that the thing that was really gut-wrenching to me was you didn't see the Red Cross or the Salvation Army or FEMA or any of those organizations there. When we pulled up, 
we saw a couple Harley bikes and some big biker dudes. And uh, I told Bill, you know, it was just one of those gut checks because had I seen any of these guys in Highland and I was by myself, I probably would have gone around or walked to the other side of the street. But it was a couple of guys that were Vietnam vets and they saw a need and they responded to it. And they were cooking for all of these families three meals a day. They uh, had gotten tents, and so they were living in these white tents. And a week before, they got air conditioning, which if any of you have ever been to Oklahoma, I can't imagine going through the month of July without air conditioning. And um, as we were getting back in the vehicles, um, the gal that had been my helper all week cooking, she said, look at the crosses. And there was these little white crosses with little plastic flowers that scattered the, the area where some of their children had died in this tornado. And I think the gut-wrenching thing to me is I came home and I looked up Shawnee, Oklahoma, and there's very little about it on the internet. You don't see any hoopla there the devastation and more was extreme, but it was all middle class, people with insurance. Um, and when we were in Shawnee, there was a church van there, and they had started rebuilding a house. And it just spoke so loudly to me that, you know what, when real devastation comes, when we really have those empty hands, it's the church. It's God's people, whether they're Harley-Davidson riders and big, bulky dudes. The one guy shared with Steve and I that he had broken his back twice. The doctors told him he'd never walk again, and here he's out there hauling cases of water to whoever needs it. So we were able to leave all of our food, all of the extra sodas we had, and you would have thought it was Christmas for these people. And there was a, an Indian guy that came out and uh, some of the kids will probably remember this, but he had a little brown paper bag, and it was the greasy stains on it. <laughs> and he started sharing with our kids sopapillas because he had made them, and he wanted to give something back to our kids who were given to them. And so um, I don't know what our kids got out of the trip, but God really worked in my heart about how we judge people how easy it is to stay in our own comfort zone. And uh, when we got home, I got a call from Duke, and he said, Mom, if we go to build a house, are you ready? And it's funny because when we first got out of the vans out of there, I said, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I, I would have to say, yeah, I'm ready. So um, God works in mysterious ways, but I hope he worked in the kids' hearts as much as he did mine. Right on. Praise God. Right. Uh, anything else? I don't really know. I mean, it was, I guess, my last thing. Um, it was so fun to watch God work. Um, I mean, with the weather. I mean, Oklahoma in July, you know, right. like, like what Linda said, it's disgusting. We had beautiful weather while we were out there. Um, and I think the one, the one day that I really saw God working was the first day of our work day. We woke up, and it was raining, pouring down rain. And um, as we were getting the kids ready, we are like, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to work on this. Um, on these houses for these kids and as soon as we it we went out to work it stopped raining and the sun came out the whole time we were working 
And then as we were finishing up the day, the clouds came back and it started raining again. And I thought that was so cool that he, you know, stopped the rain for us so that we could clean up this area for these kids so that they could have a better place to live. So I just thought that was really cool. So other than that, I think it was a great trip and I thank you guys all so much for um, financially stabilizing us as we went on that trip. And Micah's done. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. Thanks. Yeah. The, uh, I heard a rumor, I think this is true, but the, the, we ended up raising more money, I'm going to leave this out, than we needed for the trip. And uh, the, the decision, correct me if I'm wrong on this, was that the, they wanted to pay it forward. There's this thing that happens when we send people out to serve, and this is only one example of how we've done that as a church, and it becomes contagious, and people want to go and serve. But I, what I loved is that, this, and, and this isn't the first time, I think Honduras did the same thing. There's this idea that when you come back and you've had more than you need, you pay that into the next trip, and uh, where, what are we going to do? Who are we going to go serve? Already talked about building a house um, in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, not more or even uh, Muskogee. <laughs> so praise God for that. All right. Um, uh, anyone else? I, I'm not going to open up wide open today. There's going to be a chance for you to tell your personal story. I've been telling you for a while. As a matter of fact, it might sit on the checkbox. I don't know if it does or not. But um, if you want to share your personal story, Dan Burns, our worship leader, he said, everyone has one. We'd love to hear that. Uh, coming up in September, we're going to do a series. We're going to have people share their stories each week. Uh, so if you want to do that, um, check that box and talk to us. But uh, I'm going to ask a question. Is Christy Lay here? I'm asking because I think I already know. I just can't see anyone from here, which is ridiculous. Is Christy? Yes. Hi, Christy. How are you? Why don't you come down here a minute? How do you feel about that? So Christy has done a lot of stuff, but one thing we haven't had a chance to talk to you about is Honduras, right? Do you want to talk about that? Are you okay with this? Because you didn't plan this, and I didn't talk to you about this, but sure. are you okay with that, sure. for real? Sure. Um, to tell you how this works, by the way, Duke was leaving the parking lot with our kids and his kids in the van, and he yells out the window, we're going in October, and you're going with me, and he pointed to me, and I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so that's kind of how that works, but uh, so I'm eager to hear, how did Honduras go for you? Good. Yes, it was very good. Um, I was the only one from here that went and I met up with um, the rest of Duke's church. It was more of an adult trip that went and um, it was definitely a work trip and there was a lot of painting, <laughs> more painting than I've ever done and I do like to paint for those of you who know me. Um, it was pretty much, I was doing all the stuff that was tall and high and on scaffolding or on little sawhorses and things that probably weren't very safe, but nobody got hurt. <laughs> was and there? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, you make me do the tall stuff. That's why I was wondering. I was going to get a short joke in if I could. <laughs> no, he wasn't there. Because he ended up going the next time with, uh, with the youth. And um, I think he's already been there three times this year. So, um, yeah, so he wasn't there this time. Uh, but it was really neat. When we were there, there was a family who was from the church. Um, Bill Hayden is the guy who has started Promise Home. And um, there was a couple who had two kids really close to the ages of Kale and Kylan. And they were actually there for the position, um, seeing if God was calling them to be the directors. Um, that's kind of the next step that Promise Home has, is to find um, there's going to be two directors. There'll be co-directors there for Promise Home. And um, they had been down there in the fall and were wondering, hey, is this where God's calling us? They weren't sure. And so um, their mission team back home said, why don't you try it. So they had been there for three weeks already, and they were going to be there for another week after we left. And, um, and it was just, it was really neat. Uh, I got a chance to talk with them quite a bit, and 
um, you know, of course they had questions of what is it like being raised on the mission field as a kid and so I was able to share a lot of my experience growing up in a very different country and what it was like as a child and, um, and then also just looking Real at... Real quick, for those who don't know, where were you raised? Um, I was a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. Um, so very third world, very um, not the USA. And um, so I enjoyed being able to connect with them and then um, our team as a whole prayed for them. And um, of course me coming in kind of as the, the oddball out, um, nobody knew me and so I had a really great, great opportunity talking with um, the rest of the team and then uh, got to share my testimony and that was just, it was really just an amazing, amazing time um, to be there, to be a part of what is going on and seeing from when our team was there just in April, seeing how they had already uh, made more fish ponds and uh, the things that they were doing to um, continue the work um, to prepare for the children. So they're still building building the, the business part of it so that they can have it fully funded before they get their first child. Um, before That's still probably about two years out is probably the, um, the aggressive plan. Um, but once, once they start getting the children, then the business stops and it just is maintaining, whereas now they're just building and building so that it can be completely self-sustained and not um, relying on any outside funding, which, of course, outside funding will help, but they won't be relying on it. So. Yeah, my understanding, and your husband Jeff went as well. Most of us know Jeff. And, mm -hmm. uh, but my understanding is that Bill Hayden was a Microsoft guy or some He's IT He's an engineer. Guy. Isn't it an electrical engineer or something, some kind of engineer? Yeah, and, and, but he comes out of the IT world somewhere, but he basically has a business mindset. So he wants to go down there and he wants to create the self-sustaining ministry and then kind of cut it loose and then go do that, replicate, right? That's his plan. So, and we just kind of happened into that, much like Shawnee, on another trip you were on, Steve, where you saw that opportunity to go and serve. So, and that's, by the way, how God works. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, it was right really, on. really amazing. Bill Hayden, the first time that we were there, he shared his testimony with our team. And, you know, again, he was just talking about, and we got to go on a tour and see kind of the, the three different places where they had tried something and it didn't work, and then they tried something and it didn't work. And um, he just was sharing, you know, this is, this is a God-sized mm -hmm. task, and it is so much bigger than himself. And he said, I don't know anything about fish. I don't know anything about, you know, all these different things that God had been bringing to provide to where they were going. And he said, you know, I kind of feel like Moses here. There's this, this huge thing, and I don't know anything about what I'm doing. But yet just seeing the hand of God working through him and his willingness to go and to do, even though he had no idea what he was doing, and God bringing people in who were going to help him um, with the process. And so it was really, it was very inspiring, very encouraging, and just awesome to see what God is doing and also how God is calling more people, like the co-directors, and just, it's just really exciting to be a part of. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot, by the way. I do feel bad for that. <laughs> but it's the first time I got a chance since you got back from Honduras. And then um, anything else you wanted to share? Or no? You don't have to? All right. I can think of <laughs> cool. Christy Lay, thank you so much. Um, I, I think, anyone else, did anyone else go somewhere or do something they really want to share right now? Um, I wasn't really, we talked to the Moore group, well, the Muskogee group, or Murrow, we keep giving them different names, about what, what their experience was. But the idea isn't, by the way, the idea isn't to be like, oh, look, look. But it's like, the question is, well, what about you and me, right? What are we called to do? What opportunities do you have to go and to be faithful and to ministry wherever you are? 
or whatever is going on? Do you believe that God is there? I mean, do you believe that when you go to work and then you see something, a coworker having a problem, or you see an opportunity with a boss, or you see a chance to maybe even improve something for your employer, and you steer that direction, you believe that's God guiding you in your life? Do you believe that you can have a bigger impact because you're listening to what His Spirit is teaching you, showing you, or leading you? Maybe in your home, Maybe in our church or our community. The question is, and I put on your thing there, ready, set, grow. I think that, that, that God gets us ready for these seasons, and, and, but, you know, it's like that runner, and, you're, and there's a moment where you go. You go. It's knowing Jesus when he says, um, follow me. And you go, okay, I'll follow you. I, I want to share one other passage with you. We're going to close with this and um, uh, just... Let God work through this in whatever way. But, you know, sometimes when we get into the conversation of faith, it becomes intangible. You go, well, faith, you can't touch it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you can't see it, but that's not true. Because somehow, whenever you step out in faith, as Linda's already shared us, let's say, and the students who shared, who went in faith, some of these students were afraid when they were going. They weren't sure they were supposed to go. You know, um, Christy, I know, was raised in the mission field, but she wasn't sure. You know, when we, she took on this ginormous task of Africa, which we're looking at again for next summer, I mean, what are you getting yourself into? You don't know. But when you go in faith, you find that you grow. You find that you're changed. That's, it's going in obedience. It's a hard thing to figure that, right? Is it for us or for them? It's for God. It's for God. He said, you will be my witnesses in in Judea, Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. You, you will be my witnesses. I want to read from you, uh, with you, and you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm just going to share with you what I'm going to read. It's from Hebrews 11. This is a famous chapter of the Bible, but I just want to read this to you, and we're going to close with this, because this is what following Jesus looks like, and I want you to know this entire book is written about people who decided to follow Jesus. People who decided to follow Jesus. Check it out. In Hebrews 11, the author writes this. Faith is being confident in what we hope for and certain of what we what? Do not see. It means you believe there's something that you don't even see with your own eyes. How can I do this? Where can I go? How can I serve? What can I do? Maybe that's you today. This is what the ancients, our ancestors, were commended for. Check it out. I'm just going to skip around here. It says, by faith, we understand the universe was formed. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. You see, it's all about taking an action, an action together. By faith, Noah warned about things we're not seeing. In holy fear, built an ark. You see, by faith, he built the ark. Not by faith, he believed the flood was coming. He built something about it. By faith, Abraham went what a great, obeyed and went. Look at that in verse eight, if you're looking, right? By faith, he made a home. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah was barren, was enabled to become a father, right? All these people were living by faith, look at 13, when they died, they believed in the promises of God. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, while he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on his staff. On and on. And there it is. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, Moses refused to be known as the Pharaoh's, uh, the son-in-law of the Pharaoh. On and on. By faith, people passed through. By faith, Rahab believed and was not killed. On and on. Action, action, action. James says, if your faith has no deeds, it's dead. 
There's no hope at all for us. The question that I have is in your own life, what is God giving you the opportunity to do? And do you and I have enough faith to do it? Just to do it. Without all the answers, without all the understanding, without all the wisdom, just do it. And see what God does with that kind of action. That's the truth of living with Jesus. And, and, and all of this is Christ-centered. All of this serving and going and loving and giving is based on the cross because that's how we got invited on the journey was through the cross of Christ. He said, come follow me. He says, believe that I died for your sins so that you can be free. Believe that I died so that you can be whole. Believe that I died and was raised so that you can receive my spirit. That's the promise we believe in and we hope for. And I hope today that as you listen to all these stories, you are encouraged because this is about what God is doing among us, not about what any one of us is doing in our lives. Please join me in prayer if you would. Father God, today we have come to experience you, to know you more fully, and to understand your word as it's applied and lived out. Father, we desperately need you to show us. We desperately need you to lead us forward in whatever endeavor you're calling us to. And Lord, for those of us who are weak in our faith, we pray you would encourage us. For those of, you, of us who are here today who don't believe that the message of the gospel is for us, you would break into our hearts, into those wounded areas, into those areas of, of, of doubt or of frustration or of anger or of hurt that are against you, that you would form them to be toward you toward your purposes. Father, that we could know that in you we have forgiveness for not just the sins of our past, but the sins of our present and even our future, Lord. The things we're gonna screw up, you have covered them in Jesus' blood. What a miracle that is to know. May we live as those who have gone before us in faith, in faith in what you will do in our lives and come the greatest days or the worst, come death or life or whatever may come our way, Father, may it be for your glory and our good. We thank you so much for the chance to know you, to love you, to sing and talk and, and, and converse with you today. And we'll give you praise for what you're doing amongst your people. May you be glorified in Christ's name, amen.